What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kazen. There was a Nintendo Direct this week, and it was kind of... It was lengthy. It was long. Um, yeah, it was like 40 minutes or something. And they had a lot of stuff. Like, a lot of yeah. stuff they announced there. So we're going to kind of go through that and talk about uh, at least the, the major things we cared about. Um, and then I also want to talk a little bit about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It released, I think, last week or the week before, I think. Um, the show or the game? The show. Age of Resistance, the, the Netflix show. Did you see the original movie? The, the... I did. I saw the original Dark Crystal, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I like it. Spoiler I like alert. It. I like, no, I like this show. Um, oh, the show. Sick. The movie yeah. I love. Uh, the show um, I, I like a lot. Spoiler alert. I'll talk about it a bit later. But Very it, cool. it kind of ties into a lot of stuff we've talked about on the podcast about capturing the spirit of an original thing and like how to do that the right mm. way and stuff like that. But, uh, so in the Tender Direct... I, yeah. I I wrote almost all the things they talked about. There was one section. Yeah, dude, this is a long freaking list. <laughs> there was one section where they were kind of like doing a montage or just a bunch of stuff, and I only yeah. pulled a couple of things from that. Uh, there was like a racing game and something else that I knew we wouldn't really probably care about. But um, yeah. anyways, there's a lot of things, like 20-something freaking announcements we're going to talk about. We're going to blast through it. And on the ones we don't care about, we'll probably just be like, don't care, move on. Don't care. And go from there. Um, okay. First one, Overwatch, don't care. <laughs> yeah, don't care. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I don't. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I know, I really don't either, but I never played it. I mean, I'd like to play it. It's on the Switch now. I might play it. We'll see. But I'm not going to spend 50 bucks on it or whatever much it costs. Yeah. Um. So don't care about that. Luigi's Mansion, do you care? Yeah, not really. Um. Okay, so I care only just because it's nostalgic, I guess. It's, you know, that game came out in, like, 2002, the first one. And so that's kind of cool, but I'm I'm really not too huge on Luigi's Mansion. I did play the GameCube one a little bit, and, yeah, I mean, not for me. Uh, before we go a fun on, game, but, yeah, whatever. Smatis. Smatis. He, he gave a subscription at Tier 1. Smatis. Thank you for the subscription. Get out, yes. Appreciate that, man. Your yes. Um, okay. Super Kirby Clash, don't care. Okay, so Super Kirby Clash. Now, this one reminds me a lot of Kirby Superstar, the game where it was like two player and you could you could like face off against other people. It looks they're clearly using the Smash Brothers engine for all of this, um, mm. but it looks pretty fun. It looks very similar. It's a it's a pretty cool callback to the old Kirby Superstar for the SNES that I played a ton of. Really? Way. Are you into Super Kirby fun. games? Uh, yeah, actually, I am. Yeah. In fact, Landon came over just like a month or so ago, and we got out the SNES Classic, which I have extra games on, by the way. And mm-hmm. um, we were like, oh, what do we play? Oh, man, Kirby. That takes us back. And we, he and I both played uh, Kirby for like two or three hours. It was fun. Nice. Okay. Then they showed Trials of Mana, which previously was known as Seiken Densetsu 3, <coughs> the remake Seiken for Densetsu, it. Seiken yeah. So um, this is a game yeah, I, what you think about that? I legitimately never thought we'd get. <coughs> I mean, either. Yeah, um, I was very surprised. I have. I finally got my copy of the the Mana Collection in the mail, so it has the the uh, three essentially, yeah, like Final Fantasy Adventure, uh, Secret of Mana, and then Trials of Mana, what they're calling it now. Um, yeah. And that was that was actually what I wanted. I remember when that was announced for Japan. I don't even know how many years ago. Three, 
Um, we were talked about that like way back when we were still doing the podcast in my old apartment and being like, man, yeah, like they need to bring that over. And then it kind of gave up and on thinking, it. It's not coming over. Yeah. <laughs> they eventually yeah. gave it to us. And that was really what I wanted. Um, so yeah. the, the trials of Mana remake does look, I mean, at least solidly better than the secret of Mana. Than the secret of Mana remake. Yeah. yeah. Like it looks a lot better yeah. than that. It looks like they've yeah. put a lot more effort into it, and it's going to be pretty solid. Um, I don't know, though. I don't know. I hope that they have, like, a, like a demo that we'll, you'll be able to try out first. Um, I'm not a super huge fan of this particular, like, interpretation of the art style. Um, like, I know that, like, you look at character art. See, there's there's a kind of a disconnect for me. I don't know what it is. When I look at, like, the, the pixel art, which is, you know, coming from the the character concepts they created. It's kind of the same yeah. way in Chrono Trigger, right? Like, I, I didn't really, like, know, see those yeah. little sprite dudes as looking like Goku or Dragon something. Yeah, like, no, me Not either. exactly. Like, maybe, like, the, the hair yeah. was there, but it was, like, I didn't feel like yeah, the... But, yeah. I mean, I know, that, I know that they had um, the character portraits in the menus, but, like... When I look at the little sprite dudes, I guess I just didn't see in my head, like, that particular art style. And I, I feel a little bit that way about Trials of Mana. I'm not saying I want it to look, like, photorealistic or anything like that. It's just that this yeah. particular interpretation of it is not, like, my cup of tea. Um, so I'm just it's, glad... It's a lot, it seems a lot like a Zeno, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, kind of, like, the way it looks... Yeah, I see. I think I know what you mean, like the shading on it, right? Like the lighting and shading, yeah. like the way that it, yeah. Yeah. Just the way everything looks, the general feel. At the, the, I know people always get on this for saying this, but I, the way the women are dressed is like, are you freaking kidding me? You guys are going into battle. Why? Why? Every, all of them, all of them. And it's like, ah, the, I didn't really get that from the pixel art, right? It's pixel art. I get it. But um, also the voice acting. For Trials yeah, of Mana, voice acting. The trailer. We'll get into that later, but yeah, not great. Yeah, for this game, it's not horrible was, either. Like I've heard a lot maybe worse. The cringe. I've heard a lot worse, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I have too. I guess I just am not a. It's not that good either. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I'm super stoked that Trials of Mana. It could have been the the SNES version is available to us. That's the version I got. That's the one I really wanted for, I don't even know how many years it's been. Uh, 15 years or maybe more than that. 15, 17, 18 years that I've wanted an official localized version of that game. Uh, I have it now. But I will keep my eye on this. And and if they have a demo, I'll definitely try a demo. Uh, okay. Return of Obra Dinn. There was like an indie thing. It, it looked kind of interesting, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Did you play that demo of Dragon Quest Eleven by the way? I haven't played the demo yet because the the demo covers the portion of the game I've already played on the PC version, so I basically already know what I'm in for. <laughs> oh, so I'm just, I'm just kind of waiting for the full release of it. Um, Return of Oberdin. Don't have much to say about that. Little Town Hero. Yeah. Uh, looked okay. Ah. No, I disagree. It did not look good at all to me. And really? I when I because I've heard Game Freak has been working on some crazy game for however long. And I, after seeing it on the Nintendo Direct, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? This is what they've been doing? Like it? I don't think it looks very good. I was, I was, I did not think it looked very good." Um, one thing that 
I thought was funny about it, because, I mean, it's Game Freak, right? These are the developers of Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. I was watching some people who were saying, like, why does this game graphically look better than Pokemon Sword and Shield? Like, um, <laughs> the quality yeah. of the textures and, like, uh, poly count well, on I'll trees. Tell you, been, and... They've been working on it longer. Oh, you think so? Longer than Pokemon? Yeah. The, I think they were working on... Um... On they've been working on this game for a long time now, and I okay I don't know how long they've been working on the new Pokemon. I don't I don't know that. Um, I know that Game Freak was not happy that they were going to have to make Pokemon on the Switch. They they didn't oh. like that Nintendo was discontinuing the 3DS basically and mm. stopping support for it because they would rather make games for the 3DS than the Switch. That's... Switch requires they had to hire a lot more people. It's it's a lot harder to make HD games than little 3DS games. Um, but during that they had been developing this little town hero game too. So I don't know, maybe it's just, they've been making this since before they decided to put Pokemon on the switch, but it's been a long time coming. I did find it interesting that Toby Fox is doing the music. This is the, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. That was the guy who made uh, undertale. Then we had all the smash announcements. Um, Banjo Kazooie came out on the day. Then uh, Terry Bogart yeah. from Fatal Fury. This is, there's been a lot of people talking about that. I thought the announcement itself, like the little video they put together for it, was freaking brilliant. I thought it was awesome. But there seemed to be a lot of people, and I think they, I think they actually um, were expecting this to be true. Like, they expected people to be like, why did you fill the fourth slot with Terry Bogart and, like, freak out about it? Because it's like, oh, there's only one more fighter coming in the first group of five after this. Um, and so people were like, no, how could you fill it with that? But then they announced, oh, we're going to be doing more fighters after that. So I think they anticipated that there would be some backlash to Terry Bogard because he's not, like, the most well-known character unless you're a hardcore uh, fighting game fan. So, anyways, I've just been seeing a lot of... I follow um, a Twitter account called Scrub Quotes, uh, which is basically just taking the hyper-aggressive <laughs> uh, fighting game community people and just, like quoting them on the stupid stuff they say so i've seen a lot of like people pissed about terry bogart but the fact that they're going to be releasing more fighters after the initial five kind of like oh who cares you know like he's a piece of season two dlc yeah yeah that was the big announcement for smash yeah me it's awesome season two yeah they'll be doing more fighters after that so like there's more to look forward to like cool um, I loved the little video that they used to introduce Terry, though. That was really awesome. Like, all that kind of, like, uh, 16-bit sort of, like, uh, yeah. the, the, the ladder kept going through yeah, and all cool. the fighters couldn't grab and it. And they're all <laughs> trying to catch. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But here's the that thing. Was clever. A lot of people probably would have liked those fighters to be in it. Maybe. Instead of this guy, but whatever. Yep. There's always going to be somebody that, oh, you left this guy off. Yeah. I wish you had done this or whatever. Um. Anyway, yeah, so that's always. exciting. Oh, I, but... Did you did you notice the home run derby is back in oh, Smash? Really? I didn't they see freaking that. put it in. This this update, they put the home run derby back into oh, wow. Smash. That's awesome. Yeah, I was wondering where it was. I was like, dang it, dude, this Smash Ultimate, where's my home run derby? And they just put it in in this new update. So That's awesome. Uh maybe I'll cool. maybe that I'll boot it up things. again. I haven't uh 
played Smash yeah. basically since back in like around Christmas time. So yeah, yeah, it's been a while for me too. I think I might boot it up again and try that out if it's got Home Run Derby. That was always a lot of fun to try and figure out how to yeah do as much damage, especially as like possible. the two player. Because you you coordinate bam, with somebody bam, bam, else bam, and you're yep. hitting it back and forth and then grab the bat and then somebody hits it and it's like perfect timing. That took forever to get right, but it was so fun. Yeah. Um. So that was great. Uh. They had another um, Zelda Link's Awakening trailer. My feelings yeah, on that I, are kind of the I mean, same. Yeah, it is what it is. We didn't learn anything new, I'd say. But you know, it looks kind of fun. We'll see. Dragon I'm Quest Eleven S is coming out in September. Drop it yeah. in September, and dude, I'm so so stoked for that 16-bit version. I know, dude. Oh my gosh, I know. That's gonna be so fun, dude. I I wonder how like um, seamlessly you can like just switch. Is it just a touch of a button and it'll just like flip, and well, then you can just keep playing like right away, and then flip it again? That's the kind of thing that maybe because okay, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna play the demo. That's on the switch. I'm going to play it with my wife. We're going to start playing dragon quest 11. Cause I'm thinking it's something she'd like. Right. right. Um, and so playing the demo, I, I'm sure you'd have a, a, an idea on how that goes. I haven't played it yet, so I don't really know, but I know that it was initially developed for the 3ds. So it's just like the switching was like super fast, super easy. I don't know how it'll be on the switch though. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that because that's something that I feel like I would do a lot. If it's, if that it's more too. like you kind of have yeah. to like pick, at the menu, like I want this version, and then you, you'd have to like back out and do the other. I hope it's not like that. I hope it's not like that. Uh, if anybody knows whether or not you can just switch on the fly, I seem okay, to remember. I played the demo. Uh, this is Raconius. You get you go to a save point. It lets you switch, but creates a new log. The demo won't let uh, you play 16 bit. Oh, okay, okay. So you can't. Yeah, I did know that you couldn't uh, play 16 bit in the demo. So you have well, to go to. You, could. you have okay. to go to a save point. Huh. Uh, and then you can do the switch. Is that what you're saying, Raconius? Yeah, that's what that's it, that's okay, I guess. Like, I'm okay with this. as long as you don't have to back out of the menu. Yeah, and, and like switch your mode over and restart. As long as you don't have to do that. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'll probably uh primarily play that in 16-bit mode. That's what I suspect I'll do. But me too. Well, well <laughs> I this is what's gonna happen when I'm playing it 16-bit. When my wife is playing, it's gonna be it's gonna be 3D. <laughs> that's that's yeah. I mean, that's a perfect game though because it's giving hey, you both what you want when you yeah, switch off. You they give switch, you options. Yeah. You'll switch the version, and you're both happy. It was made that's for you perfect. guys. Yep. Okay. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions coming. So why to... is that game in America? I I really am wondering why this is a game that works in Japan. No. Okay. Tell anybody in the comments. Tell me if you are remotely excited for Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Hashtag FE. Sharp. Sharp FE. Sharp FE. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anybody. I mean, this is Encore. This is the second one, right? No, so no, no. This is sold. the original game, but it's, okay. it's being re-released okay. on the Switch. Why? I want to ask why. These games do well in Japan. I don't think anyone in America plays these idle-like games. I don't think that people do. Uh, What do you mean by idle game? I-D-O-L, like um like you're a singer, right? Oh, I, I don't th- I think it's a, a legit RPG, isn't it? Yeah, well hold on, hold on. Me I, I could be getting my facts wrong, but I saw a lot of concert. Yeah, it's it's got 
elements of that, but I think it has like a turn-based battle system and everything. Yes, right? and there is like fighting and stuff, right? And it's got uh, this was supposed to be like the the project where it was Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem crossed originally. And it's freaking very strange. Okay, so now I haven't played it, so maybe people can tell me I may have the wrong idea of this, but. You're like a musician on a stage, right? And there's a huge crowd, right? And you're performing, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I did you see? Are you watching the trailer? No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up uh, some scores on it and trying to find out like what the sales figures were, like how popular it was, how well it it's, sold. Sales. Like, here we go. I'm watching the trailer right now. This, I, my eyes are not deceiving me. This is a freaking you're 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 like a famous pop singer idol who also sometimes fights crime, possibly on stage to the cheers of thousands. <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh, it's see. an idol game. It's an idol game, doesn't it look let's like see. that? Looks like that. Um, what are those like dancing games that you can play in Japan with like Miku Hatsune and stuff? It seems like that, right? I think I think it's those kind of names a cross. don't belong in America. I think it's a cross between that. Uh, by the way, you're going to get some hate for for saying that. There's some people going to be. I'm okay with that. I, I do <laughs> but, want I do want some feedback on this. I am open to changing. Um, I love Japan. Japan's great. But somebody explained to me how this kind of game can possibly exist in the United States outside well, of Japan. I think it just depends on what the sales projections are, like what what's worth, yeah. how much money is worth, like you know, localizing it. Right. I'm trying and to find what thing. is that Japan website? Makes tons of games like this, and and they never localize these. So this one came here. I don't know why. What I can't remember the name okay. of that website where it tracks the name of how many sales a game get. There we go. Oh VG yeah, um, I remember it. Game, I got it now. Yeah, VG charts. Uh, one Wing Kaya says Tokyo Mirage Session is a solid JRPG, actually. It's Persona, but idol themed. I, I okay, I get it, but <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Wait, I just what? have issues with it in general. I guess oh. it's just the concept hey, of it bugs me. I'm sure I'd like it if I played it, but I'm probably never going to play that. Am I that spelling game. it wrong? Tokyo Mirage. M I R A G E Sessions, right? S E S S I O N S. Yeah. Why is it okay? Here we go. Uh, VG charts is not necessarily. Perfectly yeah. accurate or anything. They but, operate on some dated oh, data sometimes. Let's see what it says. It looks like it sold. It didn't even sell that well in Japan. Uh, Eighty thousand units in Japan, um, and or is that eight? Yeah, that's eighty. Is that eighty? I think it's eighty thousand units in Japan. One hundred and seventy thousand in North America. Huh. Sixty thousand huh. Europe. So it, it uh, overall sold about three hundred and thirty thousand copies. Huh. Which seems about right for the type of game it is. I don't think yeah. that that's. I mean, I I wouldn't expect this to be a million seller, but maybe that I don't oh. know. I have no idea if it's. Uh, I have no idea if that's good for the the this genre that it technically fits under or not. Average. Well, so here's the thing. So somebody tells me, hey, we got this Persona or this Shin Megami Tensei mixed with Fire Emblem. Are you excited to play it? My response is yes. Then I watch the trailer. Well, I definitely. you're freaking dancing on stage and singing songs to people in this J-pop. like, And it's like, really, Fire Emblem? 
it plus it definitely changed i think midway through development into something else now i will say uh, a good i guess um sort of uh counter not counterpoint but counter example is like that's the same attitude that mm. i had towards say final fantasy 10 2 and a lot of people did and i mean oh I, sure, sure i still don't like <laughs> final fantasy 10 2's story at all but mm. like the game itself it, it gives you the impression that it's going to be one thing right off the bat and the story kind of yeah kind of really does fit into that sort of um, tone most of the time. But the actual game is among my favorite Final Fantasy battle systems uh, sort of in tandem with character progression systems. Right? Well, was it basically, was that game basically the last turn-based Final Fantasy? Was ten two? 2 Technically... In the in the kind of the main series, I think it might have been. If if we're so, if we're not talking about like um you know spinoff games like say maybe Four Heroes of Light or or something oh, like that. Oh yeah. Um, just mainline stuff. Yeah, I, I think, think it was. I think it was the mm-hmm. last. I think it was still um what do you call it? Not true turn based, but uh, active time battle. Uh, oh, so yeah. ATV. But yes, sure. Yes, I think it was the last quote-unquote like turn-based mainline final fantasy game was final fantasy 10 2 and um it you know i've talked a lot in other videos and stuff about how square wanted to kind of like get like a really fast pace action feel to battles while also keeping them uh strategic and and rooted in the turn-based like tradition of the series uh and make them um make it so you're in control of your full party that game is is it like that, huh. there it is, right there. <laughs> Final the Fantasy Ten Two, I think, is like the best answer it for it. It just needs a better story. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just yeah. if it had a better storytelling, it would have been a freaking fantastic game. So, anyways, I, I, I'm sure other people are talking here. I got you. Yeah, about... people will tell me. I'll read the comments. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll approach with an open mind. Well, but well, I will probably never play Tokyo Mirage Session. Well, I'm not probably going to either. But about <laughs> like what the actual gameplay of it is, like whether yeah, it a lot is... of people are saying the gameplay is actually pretty good. Yeah, because I, I, I was and I was pretty sure it was basically like a a, a dungeon crawling turn not maybe not turn based RPG but something in that vein with just kind of these uh, you know concert maybe mini game thing in tandem with it. Anyways, we're doing a yeah. lot of talking about something that we don't know anything about. We should probably stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You can hate on me for that. I just. I, I, I guess the reason I'm more passionate about it, about something I don't like, which is weird, um, is because the concept of a Persona slash Fire Emblem mashup sounds pretty cool to me. I just, I don't like what it turned into, I guess. It, it turned into something I don't want to play. But conceptually, it started out as something that I did want to play. So maybe that's why I, I'm just a little frustrated that, about it. That I but agree with. Maybe it is still a good game, but I just was hoping for maybe something that i do agree with Not the like idea Mikuma. of um like a, a shin megami tensei sort of like world or or story yeah right which is pretty dark for the most part but having it yeah. be some kind of tactical rpg like fire emblem was what i thought that was going to be 
Me too. I was excited for it. And that's and, my, okay, I got yeah. hyped up for something I didn't know anything about. I get it. Don't, don't do that. But I did. And it's frustrating when you get let down. But on top of that, it's also weird that of all the games they could have chosen from the Wii U's library to uh, bring over and port, that yeah. Tokyo Mirage Sessions was the one they went with. Yeah. Instead of maybe something like, well, I, I know why they're not doing Xenoblade Chronicles 2. We'll get to that. Or not Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Xenoblade Chronicles X. That was one that I was feeling uh, yes. they would bring over from the Wii U's library. But we know why because of what happens here at the end. But um, I don't know. There are some other games I feel like uh, from the Wii U that they could have brought over. Possibly even like the Zelda HD remasters. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they still haven't brought they those haven't, over. Yeah, yet. brought to the Switch yet. It, 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 that's kind of strange to me. Yeah. But I mean, whatever. Getting a, 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 a port from a game that was, I mean, fairly well reviewed. It's I think the average uh, critic score is like an eight out of ten. So, cool. Right. Now here's the next All one right. that that took me <laughs> way off guard, but uh, I was pretty stoked for even just for Parker's sake. <laughs> uh, Deadly Premonition Two. What the oh, fetch? Yeah. That didn't look. Very good. <laughs> I had no idea. I never thought they'd make a sequel to Deadly Premonition, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, bringing that to the Switch with the first game as well, right? Um, if you don't know what Deadly Premonition is, it's like a, a third-person horror game in the vein of maybe something like um, uh, uh, what's the, uh, Alan Wake or Resident Alan Evil Wake. 4 or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah but like it's that. got more of this sort of, um, oh, what's that show called? The really weird, uh, thing that Parker, Parker's really into it too. Uh, he was into Buffy. No, something peak. Uh, oh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Twin Peaks. So, the, the super serious. Yeah. Yeah. So Deadly Premonition feels a lot like Resident Evil twin peaks version of it <laughs> sure, sure. it's it's like uh you're an investigator i guess it's, actually it's, i i would say it's more like alan wake crosses with twin peaks that's okay. what it is so it's super weird and it's got this very niche sort of like thing it's going for and if you're into that uh if you're into that you'll be into deadly premonition because if you're into weird stuff like that i feel like you'll be forgivable of some of its rougher edges to like how it's designed and made. And it's not quite like super polished necessarily, but like, that's not what you're not polished at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it's easier to hide rough edges like that in a, a, a game that's presented in the way that it is, which is already quirky and strange. And yeah. just like whack, <laughs> and so it's like it almost feels like it belongs. It's like it like it almost feels like um, if it were done intentionally, the the unpolished side of it. I mean, if the unpolished nature of the game was done intentionally, it would not feel out of place with like how strange the game is. There's a part of me because I have played Deadly Premonition, the first one, uh, a bit. Yeah. There's part of me that is endeared to it almost because of that. But, I mean, this is definitely not something that's for everyone. But I was really, really surprised that they're making a sequel to De- Deadly Premonition. That blew my mind. Yeah, that was crazy. And, I, it, and Deadly Premonition 2, it's still done in a way that looks similar to how the first one was done. It's not like super, super good updated graphics or anything. It's like still 
kind of has that same feel as the original one. Yeah. So it looks like I, I, I told Parker deadly premonition two in a message and he was like losing it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's going to be, um, I, I didn't check on this, if whether or not it's going to be an exclusive for the switch or if it's going to be oh, released yeah. on other platforms, I would assume it would be, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Nintendo, maybe they went to Nintendo. It, maybe it's one of those uh, Bayonetta situations. Where, yeah. Like, like platinum. Yeah. 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 Like they, Nintendo sort of funded it. So it's going to be like the kind of game where it's like, if some outside source didn't fund it, you would never have gotten it. <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> it sounds like something Nintendo was like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do it just to get people talking. Um, anyways, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. stoked about that. Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, um, if you're into yeah. the Baldur's Gate style obsidian sort of RPGs, uh, that's one of the one of the better ones released in recent time. I think the first game is also available on Switch, so that's cool. Um, Doom 64. Yeah, cool. Cool. Uh, Rogue Company, I, I wasn't really into that. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, not Pokemon really. Sword, and Sh- Sword and Shield. I don't have much to say about it. I'm probably not going to play a major Pokemon you can game. Dress ever again. your character, isn't that great? Well, and and curry and rice. <laughs> they made a yes. a big deal oh, at the curry on rice. Well, okay, so the food and then the camping seemed very influenced by Final Fantasy 15 to me. Didn't you think so? Um, you get your new recipes, and you, yeah. you can you can only camp in certain places. But when you camp, then you can take pictures of your Pokemon or whatever, and you can like play with them and stuff. It it really felt very similar to the Final Fantasy fifteen kind of just camping feel, just thing, general. yeah, yeah, um, camping and both of them. <laughs> uh, are you gonna get it, Pokemon Sword and Shield? Nope. Although, although, okay, so, you know, I'm I'm married, so my wife likely I think she's played every Pokemon game ever. So, well, I we did... might get it. We might get it. I was gonna say. You know, when you're in the Switch, you can see what your friends have been playing recently. I saw a lot of hours on Pokemon Eevee let's or whatever go. it is. Yeah. Yes, let's go Eevee. <laughs> is that her? That's her. That is her. That is okay. not me. I haven't played in uh, one second of that game, but <laughs> she's saying it's actually really fun. She likes it a lot. So, um, Mad Moogle says, I also got a FF15 camp vibe. So, yeah. You're not alone. It really on felt that one. similar to that. It felt, yeah. Um, sweet. Well, yeah, I I don't know. Like there there's a part of me every once in a while I get this little itch like, "Hey, maybe you should try Pokémon." But I yeah. honestly feel like if I were going to do it, I would just go back and play Pokémon Blue. Just play an original. I don't yeah. know if I really care to play any game that extends to more than 150 Pokémon. <laughs> if there's if there's a greater amount than that, trying to catch all of them or collect all of them, I'm just I'm not a I'm not like big into collecting mini games and rpgs i don't like collecting that much it's it, it's sure. tedious to me so yeah, pokemon pictures more than 150 things to catch is is that's plenty for me i, I don't know if i want to like play another pokemon game where it's got like all these other crazy ones in it so i might play the original blue someday but we'll see i mean it's the kind of thing where it's like after it comes out and I'll see what people's reviews are. I'll see what people think. I might watch some gameplay on Twitch or something, you know, it's the kind of game that I could see maybe a month or two after it comes out being like, yeah, it actually does look pretty fun. But at the moment, like as a day one, like purchase, it's just not something I'm looking to buy. It just doesn't, you know, look like something I care about that much right now. 
Um, so two things here. First of all, Raconia says play gold and silver because you can at the end of the game, but basically the entire red and blue game is also in it. Yeah, it's both games. Yeah. <laughs> so that is one I have considered is playing maybe yeah. uh, gold or something. Um, actually, people say silver is the better one. I don't know why, but maybe because the because you have the two legendaries, right? The gold Lugia, is right? And, yeah, and then was the the gold bird. I forget what's called. Oh ho oh, something like that. Oh. I don't know. Maybe the the silver one's a lot better than the other one, but most people like silver. Uh, anyways, so I have thought about that. It, it's 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 in it's in the back of the mind somewhere, but it's definitely far down the totem pole of games that uh, I have on a backlist to try. So, mm. um, but then uh, modern Erasmus is saying uh, filthy Gen Oneers. I'm guessing that's one is in the the number one. Those of you who played like the original first Gen Pokemon. Gen one Pokemon. That's is all that, I care. Uh, about. I don't care about any of the others. Is that a thing in the Pokemon community? Gen Oneers well, are, are the elitists and the gatekeepers, and they're like fetch you for. Uh, liking things that came after it is that a is that a thing do i fit that stereotype <laughs> we're just getting old come on <laughs> gen, that stuff says gen oneers are people who only yeah. play the first games basically yeah that's uh it's me we're gen oneers i guess we're gen one or baby okay tetris 99 don't care oh but super nintendo online oh i for, i skipped that you're right this is interesting um because they have the SNES Classic, and the Super Nintendo Online has a lot of the same games, but a couple of other ones, different ones, new ones, ones that you can't get anywhere else. Um, it's pretty cool. It's cool conceptually, I guess. I just hope they continue to add to it over time. Mm. Like 20 yeah. games right now, I think. Like, and, and I noticed that a lot of them, uh, well, we've talked about this so many times, about the, the issue of... look that great, yeah. The issue of licensing, right? Like, that's the whole problem... Yeah with yeah. but but like the idea of i still wish they would do it in a browser like on nintendo's website have a, oh, sure. a, a, yeah. a browsing a browser emulator where you could just go on there and if you're like a member on nintendo.com for three or four dollars a month or whatever you just have access to like every super nintendo game like yeah. that that i i wish we could live in a world where that exists because to me that makes a ton of sense uh, and they could make a lot of money and they could kind of like put to bed this whole emulation issue that they seem to be adamant yeah. on destroying have an archive of all of their games. And yeah, then they don't need to keep like reprogramming the stuff to run on the switch and to run on the Wii U and to run on the Wii. But we live in a world where uh, licensing means that'll never happen. Okay. So I'm going to put this on yeah. screen because there's a, there's an urban dictionary gen one or, uh, <laughs> article here an idiot who hates any pokemon games made after yellow without giving any actual reason gen oneers continuously voice their opinion in the jerkiest way possible while refusing to accept the fact that normal people have their own opinions uh <laughs> then they have an a, 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 of course uh on urban dictionary they always have an example in a conversation so a gen oneer says how can you stand white normal person it's actually really good you should try gen one or no you idiot <laughs> i wonder who wrote that that's funny uh sounds like someone who likes pokemon white um yes <laughs> but uh that that sounds like me i i'll i'll i'll, I'll take that uh, i accept funny. i accept that uh 
Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Um, not for me. Don't care. It, it, so it actually did make me a little bit interested because so I've been looking for like, oh, man, they don't make Mario Strikers anymore. What the heck? Oh, man, it, I love Strikers. I, you know, Mario Tennis is its thing now, but it's kind of, I don't know. It just It's different, I guess, from what it used to be. It, it's all about the power-ups now instead of just playing tennis. And, like, a lot of the Pokemon, like, or Pokemon, a lot of the Mario, like, sports games that we used to get, um, yeah, there was a Mario 3-on-3 basketball, I think. Was there? Yeah, I think it was a DS game, and it was not good. Yeah, well, I, okay, I heard it wasn't very good either. But my <laughs> point is, I want to play some of those games, some of those yeah. fun, not super realistic interpretations of the sports games that, you know, like Madden or, okay, they don't do football, but like basketball, soccer, tennis, you know, stuff like that. And I, I've never been into the Mario and Sonic Olympic Games stuff. Never really cared about them. But for some reason, watching the trailer for this one, and I know that they put a ton of money into this because part of this game is subsidized by the uh, Tokyo Commission for the Olympic Games. They're paying out money to um, for people to create entertainment based on the 2020 Olympic Games because it's going to be in Japan. And so so it was a big deal for them and they had extra funding to be able to do whatever they wanted to with the game. And so it actually looked better, more polished, more fun, more interesting to me than any of the other Mario Sonic Olympic games before it. So I might actually get this game. It might be a fun little, you know, sports collection, especially seeing them in that trailer, seeing them play soccer and some of the stuff that was going on. I was like, mm. that looks pretty cool. I might <laughs> actually buy it. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and echo um, the fact that I lament really good Mario sports games, especially Strikers. Strikers was yeah. to me the best one, the GameCube version yeah. of of any yeah, that was so good. any Mario so sports good. game. But of course, it's closely followed. Yeah. It's closely followed by the tennis, the tennis games, because there were some great yeah, Mario like tennis games. Tennis. Now, I know yeah. that they they have a Mario tennis on the Switch, but I've heard it's not very good. Yeah, it's all about the power. It's just a different kind of thing, I guess. It's just different than what I want. I just want to play tennis with Mario characters and have it be kind of cartoony feeling, but mostly just the standard sport, you know? That's what I want. And you don't get that as much with some of these newer Mario games. Did we play... Which one did we play more? The Mario 64 tennis or the GameCube Mario tennis? Well, back at home, we played the 64 tennis the most, but... We did, after I think we had moved, we would come back and we'd all play the GameCube tennis a lot. Mm. I th- is all living there. Because the, the uh, 64 tennis is the one where you could transfer your Game Boy Advance tennis character yes. onto the game. So that was 64. We played that a ton. I'm pretty sure it was the N64 one that I played most. 64 is my personal favorite. The Game, the game Boy one that was its sort of companion. Yeah was my favorite one because you had you could like make your own guy right and you could like level them up as like an rpg yeah yeah it was like and then you could put them on the 64 game and you could play that character on the 64 it was super cool with the same stats and look and everything but there was also a mario tennis game for the this is the first one i ever played for the virtual boy and oh yeah (laughs) it was really fun dude it was freaking really fun it's what got me we bought mario tennis 64 later on the first place because mario tennis virtual boy was so fun huh I, I don't think i ever played it i do remember you guys busting it out one time and showing me you had <laughs> yeah. a virtual boy but i don't remember playing any of the games yeah. on it it's hard to play it's hard to look at 
so it just hurts your eyes. Everything's red and blind, and it's yeah. Raconius is saying the three-on-three Mario basketball game had a play where Cactuar. I remember that the Cactuar from Final Fantasy, little cactus guy who runs really fast. Yeah, yeah, the big yeah. Um, Raconius says DDR on the GameCube with Mario. My brother had that game, uh, the Mario uh, okay. Dance Dance Revolution. My brother had that. He played it a lot. Oh, that's funny. Uh, NBA Street V3, I believe, had Mario, Luigi, and Peach unlockable in the GameCube version, or was that a Wii game? That's crazy. Um, yeah. anyways, yeah, I I oh, lament. Time ago, they just don't make those anymore. I lament much. awesome Mario sports games; those were the best. Yeah, uh, some of them with like Mario Party, and then that's the Mario Party, like Bomb Skip Ball was always the best Mario Bomb Party Skitball game. Kicked butt. I loved Bomb Skip Ball. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Damon X Machina. Um, okay. I don't know what to make of this game. <laughs> it so, looks pretty It looks pretty fun if you're into like the mech genre, right? Now, all this really has done is make uh, I just kind of I, I know it's Deus X Mach or Damon X Machina's the topic, but it just kind of I got that confused with Astral Chain in the past, like which one is which. Uh, <laughs> and Astral Chain as apparently a freaking masterpiece. Like, one of the best games on the Switch, but people are, like, talking about that game being, like, a, a next-level platinum amazing masterpiece level game. So, uh, yeah, Lego Dog saying Astral Chain is so good. I think I'm going to have to pick up Astral Chain. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I know they're not the same thing, but I got them confused in my mind a couple of times, which one was which. And... Yeah. Maybe Damon X Machina is good. I don't know. All I know is I've been super surprised by the response to Astral Chain, and I think I might have to play it because people are losing their minds about how good it is. Uh, Vishalok says he's playing Astral Chain right now, actually. Yeah, everyone's telling me it's amazing. Huh. And, like, I guess it makes sense. Uh, Platinum is very good with with action games. Um, And, and like, the concept of Have you seen gameplay from Astral Chain? I think I have because I know I've heard of it. So the idea is you have uh, like these, you have like these, uh, I don't know what you'd call them. They're like demons that are chained to you. So you like imprison them and you're like, you like literally have a linked like chain between you and that demon. And you can like, you can like maneuver your guy around Hmm. you and the guy and the guy you're chained to, to where you can like do this really cool stuff. With the chain, you can like like uh, wrap the chain around the enemies and like do really interesting stuff with like positioning between the two characters. Uh, oh, it's Platinum Games. Go yeah, and, plat- yeah. And, and and yeah, and obviously they're an amazing developer. So yeah, good stuff. Huh? It's an idea I haven't really seen before, gameplay mechanics wise. That that looks like it, it has a lot of room for like you to experiment and just try different like cool stuff with this chain. So okay, okay, yeah, I do. I do remember seeing this trailer a little while ago. Yeah. Um, now, uh, it looked crazy to me. They, that that freaking heavy metal guitar going <laughs> in the background the whole time. Yeah, it looked kind of crazy. It didn't look all that good, honestly. But that's interesting to hear that it's super good. I might have to try it out. Soon. I thought it would be. Well, of course, I, I probably wasn't aware it was platinum at the time that I saw it. But when just upon first looking, it's like, yeah, that'll be a, a 7 or 8 out of 10 type of game. And Damon, yeah, Damon looks- X Machina feels similar. I, I feel like, yeah, that'll be an average game. 
But Astral Train apparently is a fetching masterpiece, like so a must maybe have. The is too. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> all I know is, I think I got to try Astral Train. Um, yeah, it looks fun. The next game on this list, I was, I was Astro. losing it. I was losing it. Star Wars was, Jedi Knight Two, baby. Yeah, I can't believe it, man. I can't believe it. That's super fun. I, I thought of you the second that came on. I was like, oh man, Mike. Mike is stoked. Right it now. is my probably, probably maybe not my absolute favorite Star Wars game, but it's up there. Um, I would say it would be in contention with like Rogue Squadron or uh, sure, something Rogue. like that. But it's so much fun. I freaking loved that character. I liked the story. Yeah. And the lightsaber fighting. Yeah, it just looks super cool. And I think they're also going to be releasing Jedi Academy, which is Jedi Knight 3, uh, after this. So they're bringing oh. Jedi Knight 2 and 3, uh, remastering them. So this is a 100% day one. The second that game's available, I'm fetching playing that again. I'll probably buy it too. That's a big deal. That's Loved big deal. Jedi Knight 2. Loved it. Um, so that was awesome. A really nice surprise. Uh, the Witcher 3 uh, on the Switch coming looks now i've i've read impressions from people who have actually put their hands on it and played it that say this game is running very smoothly that like just being so surprised by how the performance is like pretty flawless cd project red i don't think they are internally doing this i think that they're working with a another company to do the port but they they've really really um Uh customized this version for the switch and the result is it looks pretty bad <laughs> but what like like the 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 textures the texture is very low resolution like especially in comparison to the version mm-hmm. of it i played on this this pc when it was brand new and i was running it all at max settings uh, like it's it is a yeah. significant <laughs> graphical downgrade from that right but People who have been playing it in handheld mode and have actually had their hands on it are saying it runs really well and it doesn't look that bad, especially in handheld. I, I sure. guess I'm just used to it running at max settings. A lot of people probably played the console versions, which aren't quite as yeah, yeah. stellar graphics-wise as like running it at max settings on PC. But the availability to have it on the go is kind of cool. I'm sure it will drain the battery in like an hour and a half. <laughs> Probably. Um, Although I've heard life is longer for the new switches that they've been shipping. Yeah. The new ones, I think you can, you can get an extra couple hours out of those. So, but I'm not getting a new one. So uh, yeah, exactly. We don't, we have gen one. We're gen one. We're gen, We're gen one is on the switch, baby. Um, anyways, I will probably get that. Just to play yeah. it again, because I love that game so much. But what this what this brought to mind, actually, is basically this whole Nintendo Direct, right? Even, I think, a couple months ago, I, I remember saying something on the podcast like, wow, I went from being a, the Switch is an okay console guy to, the Switch feels like a must-have thing. Yeah. This is Pretty like quickly. their last year we like, cement that in people's minds, too, because the PS5 comes next year, and it's like, they've really need to make sure that people are thinking about it the way that you are now because to really let people know all right dudes please buy this console 
it's really good i promise yeah i think well but like what i what i was really i i thought about it and it's like aside from chrono trigger which i don't understand how it could possibly not be on switch right now mm. especially considering the the recent like steam release yeah. where they they tried to fix it for like several months afterwards they got a a fairly good version of uh chrono trigger on steam now with all the stuff they changed and patched I don't understand how that has not been brought to the Switch, like, immediately. But, aside from Chrono Trigger and the N64 Zelda games, which I feel like, why have they not brought the the 3DS versions where you have, like, the gyro aiming to the Switch? Doesn't make sense. But aside from those, I feel like they have pretty much every single game in my top 10 available on Switch my top 10 games of all time wow. they've well not mass effect i guess okay they've got a lot that's <laughs> uh, like so good <laughs> they've got hyper light drifter they've got the witcher 3 they've got uh hellblade son of a sacrifice which i freaking adore they've got um just like a ton of games that i feel like are like some of the very best games uh, ever made on this console like available on this console it's freaking crazy um I was I was thinking about it. I was like, man, if they can get Chrono Trigger on there, uh, oh, they have Final Fantasy VII now, right? Like in Final Fantasy IX, uh, they just released that Final Fantasy VIII remaster, which is a hit or miss depending on how elitist you are, I guess. Um, <laughs> but they have got like they've hit so many of my absolute favorite games of all time on this console. And it just seems like every Nintendo Direct, they're just like, they're just bringing so much new stuff to it. It's just the variety is insane. So, I don't know. I feel like this this console... Oh, and then, of course, Xenoblade Chronicles, which I'll get to in a minute. They're bringing that to it. So it's just like, dude, like... What the fetch? It's a great console. It's good. It is. It is. A lot of stuff, lot of stuff on offer. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag was the... Last Assassin's Creed game I played, I liked it. I probably won't play it again, though. No, no, no. Dauntless, don't really remember that even. Um, okay. <laughs> Nino Kuni coming to the Switch. Uh, looks cool. Yeah. Um, Modern Erasmus is asking, did either of you guys try Fire Emblem Three Houses? I am in the middle of a playthrough on Fire Emblem Three Houses right now. So, yes, I got it. I've put, I think, 30-ish hours into it so far. Um... I've not hit that point in the game where things get really good. It, there's a moment it builds up to where it's like, oh, the whole thing just goes nuts. I've not gotten to that particular point yet, but uh, I do like it. It's not my favorite Fire Emblem so far, but I do like it. Now, this was part of like a, a montage of things they were just announcing. Devil May Cry 2. I was like, what the freak? Why? Of all the Devil May Cry yeah. games you could pick, why would you pick the worst one? <laughs> <laughs> by far the worst one to, yeah. it's like it's not even coming it didn't even look like they were bringing that as part of like a collection because I know that there's a Devil May Cry collection that has 1, 2, and 3 all in one game I think I have mm-hmm. that on the Playstation 3 why wouldn't it be something like that like a package of Devil May Cry 1, 2, 3 I do not understand why they are bringing Devil May Cry 2 like beyond Doubt, universally the very, very worst Devil May Cry game ever made. Why are they bringing that to the Switch? It's so weird. Um. Anyways, I thought that was strange. 
Uh, Lego Dog saying they've already re- released Dev May Cry One. Wait a minute. So you can get Dev May Cry One on the Switch right now? On the Switch. Oh. If that's true, that. that makes oh, more honestly, sense. Honestly, though, I miss the. I miss the DMC two thing. Honestly, I didn't even I it didn't even register that they're doing that because I don't really play those games. Lego Dog is saying yes. Dev May Cry One is available on the Switch. I had no idea. Okay, that changes my perception of it. Uh, Maybe they're just kind <laughs> of releasing so weird, them. Maybe they're releasing them piecemeal. Like, we'll do Dev May Cry 1 mm-hmm. and then 2 later and then 3 later. I don't know. That changes it a little bit. I thought it. I thought literally Dev May Cry 2 was the only freaking game they're bringing to Switch, and I just thought that was crazy. Um, okay, last two. Are, are you an Animal Crossing guy, or is that more Landon? I, I can't remember. I played the first one, and I just haven't played any of them since. I like the games. I really do. I just... They never seem like games I want to purchase with money. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to pay for Animal Crossing. I just, it just doesn't feel that way to me. Hmm. Uh, did you, do you have any thoughts on this, game this, this, you know, this new one that they're, uh, they're making? Not really. Is this the one where they're all like stranded on an island or something like that? And you're just alone on an island? Something like that. Yeah. Or is this like the town one? It's an island. Yeah, it's, it's if this one. is the whole stranded on an island. I like the I like what they're doing technically there. I like how they've got the world is kind of rolling off in the background, and you, so you can see a little bit further than the normal like isometric view, I guess. Um, yeah, it looks fun. It looks fun. I probably won't be playing it though. Um, yeah, they they've got a a link here. Dead May Cry One is on Switch. Oh, that is nuts! Another great game on yeah. Switch. There you go. Um, okay, and then the very last thing from the Nintendo Direct. And this is one I actually have a lot of things to say about. <laughs> uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Um, I was not watching it live. I got a was message <laughs> from somebody on Discord saying, Xenoblade Chronicles on Switch, or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fetch. I've been wanting to replay that. I, I feel like I want to replay so many things uh, that I'll never replay again, probably because it's 150 hours to play <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles. But I was like, yeah. it, I've had this itch to to revisit some Wii games recently. So I, I wanted to play The Last Story. I wanted to play Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, yeah. um, there was a, a Prince of Persia game I never finished on the Wii that was actually kind of good. Mm. Um couple of other Wii games. Uh, Red Steel 2. I really enjoyed Red Steel 2. There's just uh, okay. a few of them. Metroid Prime 3. There's some games I wanted to revisit on Switch, or uh, uh, on the Wii recently. And also, and it would just be so nice if these games were available on Switch, and I could play them on the Switch instead, and not have to, like, dig this thing out and, like, hook it up with the five million other things I've hooked up to my TV at once. Um, so, I was stoked. I was freaking stoked. I was like, Yes. Xenoblade Chronicles in HD, that's fantastic. I love that game. One of my favorite RPGs of all time. And then I saw what they've done to the characters. I'm going to send you some links, Kason, and then I'm going to put this on the screen. So I, 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 could, I could see, even without a comparison, just looking at the trailer, the characters' faces are really different. Um. So we have this first one, a, 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 a it's Shulk kind of laying in the grass from pretty early in the game when you first meet him. And he looks at the little dragonfly. Um, he looks quite 
different. I mean, he looks like a different person almost. I mean, dressed the same way, but he the does, face is not even close to the same. Uh, then he we looks have, like twelve years old in the top one, and he looks like twenty six in the bottom one. Yes, and I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to how how the design in anime that is popular currently does this to characters. It makes them look like little kids. <laughs> yeah. It, that's um, Okay, then we have this next one, which is Fiora. You really see the difference here. I see it, yeah. In the art. Now, it's, it's, it's also very clear that they're... The other one shows them separately. Say that again. Are you on the Facebook link, or are you on the other one? Yeah, Fiora, uh, the, the Facebook, the Facebook link from yeah. Fiora. This is clearly a move to try and like make Xenoblade Chronicles One feel like it belongs with Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Yeah, that's true. And that's true. Everybody knows my feelings on Xenoblade Chronicles Two. <laughs> I don't yes, like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, and I don't like the art in it at all. So this to me now this this particular screenshot of Fiora you know you look at the top on it it looks pretty janky she didn't look that fetched in the face I think this is kind of a wide angle lens that they have kind of close to the character so it's 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 warping and stretching her face in a little bit of a weird way so she looks kind of whack in the top one there are some better examples I mean I could probably uh, pull one up here uh, let's see Fiora Xenoblade. Um, like a screenshot from the game where you get like a better look at what she actually looked like. Here's a good one. So like this is what she really looked like right here, right? Uh, I guess I, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Anyways, she she didn't look like this kind of like weird stretched looking face. She she looked like uh, fetching this. And I know I liked that look. I liked the art style of the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, now I'm going to move over to the next link where it shows uh, Shulk, like his original character concept art. Mm-hmm. And then just like tab over to the new version of what he looks like now. Right. Now, now just an initial impression, which one of those two do you think is a better art style? <laughs> well, I, I do like the first one, the one with the black background. Um, not the one with the white background. Yes. Personally. So, so um, why do you think that is? It just why do you feel like the the first one is better? <laughs> Say again. The detail in his clothes, the detail in his face, the detail, the detail in his clothes and in his face, the the way everything looks more real. Things look more. Um, it just looks cooler. It looks um, more mature. And then I look at the other one. Things look plainer. There's less detail in the clothes. Um, it looks a lot younger and a lot more childish, I suppose. There is heavy contrast in the first one, too. You look at, like, the darkest parts of his hair and his yeah, clothing. Sorry, I lost you there Did for you a second. Did you get that, say? see that comment? Uh, Percib- Percival Duluc says it looks more like Sora than Shulk. Yes, the, I agree. Uh, the redesign. I agree. So, okay, I, it's it's yeah. story time here. I'll, I'll, let's look at Fiora real quick. Tap between the two of those so you see the difference. Here's her original concept. There's the new one. Right. 
Reginald. It, it looks Reginald. like the same person, just oh, he's he's like twelve years old in this one, <laughs> and then he's twenty six in the other one. Okay, twenty two, maybe I don't know, but it just looks like an age difference. Same person, same clothes, but you know he's gotten older. His clothes are dirtier now, and he's older and he's cooler. Yeah. Okay, story time. You ready for this, everybody? The year is 2011. Um, I think I had pretty recently moved back to Utah from uh, from Denver. I used to live uh, with your family there in Colorado for a bit. Yeah. So I had I had recently come back. I was starting college, and I started a YouTube channel called Eisen Wilshire the <laughs> Third, where I was releasing. Uh, reviews on Final Fantasy and talking a lot about JRPGs. At that time, I caught wind of three really cool projects that were being released in Japan called Xenoblade Chronicles, The Last Story, and Pandora's Tower. At this time, I have to paint the landscape here, okay? I grew up in the 1990s when JRPGs were literally the best video games you could buy. <laughs> Uh, aside from maybe platformers like Mario and uh, there's some really good platformers. They're great games, of course. But in my opinion, role-playing games from Japan in the 1990s, that's what I was about. That's what I wanted. I was all about the style, presentation, uh, the stories and the characters. They were done in this, this just, there was nothing like it. I'd never seen anything like it before. I was like, man, this is, this is amazing. As we moved into the 2000s, especially within Square, I've, I've talked about this in my Final Fantasy XII review and on the podcast, various other places, there was a top-level corporate shift in vision for what Squaresoft wanted to do. And it, it, what Squaresoft was about in the 1990s shifted when Yuichi Wada took over Square. And they became Square Enix, and there was a huge push for let's release a lot of sequels to our most popular games. Yeah, yep. Where we've already created lots of assets, and uh, the the old guard, so to speak, sort of left the company. Those who yep. I thought were the best storytellers, and they yep. let the, some of their <laughs> emerging artists and 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 guys who created the the parts that sold the game, the marketable parts like art <laughs> and uh, really cool uh, animation. Those things became the focus to push these sequels and, and there's a whole new style. And as Square went, the industry went. They were kind of like the trendsetters for the industry. So in my opinion, I'm not saying there were no good JRPGs. I'm sure there are some I missed in the 20 in the in the 2000s. But generally speaking, the 2000s, the early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, 2003, they had some good ones in there. Final Fantasy X was great. Uh, the first Game Hearts was great. There were things like um, mm. Rogue Galaxy. I think that was like 2004 or yeah, five. Yeah, that was good game. Um, yeah, five ish, maybe. Yeah. There, there's some good stuff released along the way. Shadow Hearts. There were some good PS2 uh, RPGs in the early part. When we shift from the PlayStation 2 to the PlayStation 3, that's where things got kind of rough. Um, yeah. Star Ocean 4. Uh, I, I can think of a few games Final off the top Fantasy of my head. <laughs> Final Fantasy 13. 
Things got rough in the landscape of JRPGs during that period of the later half of the 2000s and into the early 2010s. Yeah. I felt like the the desert, had, I mean, the, the landscape had gone from this lush <laughs> sort of like fields to a, a just a barren wasteland where I could no longer find the type of game that I really loved growing up. I felt like they, they had kind of gone extinct. <laughs> um, and I was, I was the, the storytelling, the art, all of it was trending into this, what I've classified recently as this sort of otaku culture type of thing. A lot of more moe style anime that is very generic. It's used in everything. See uh, games like any tales of game <laughs> in the last 10 years there's a very yeah, specific yeah. style yeah. that to me feels very cheap and like cheap to produce i mean like it's it's quick it's quick to produce this art and and animated it, it doesn't take like a lot of time which i think is part of the reason why it's become popular because you can make anime very quickly when you uh don't have a lot of detail in it like we're seeing yes, yep Anyways, they, and so they all sort of started to blend together. They all started to look the same. They all started to feel the same. And none of it was exceptional. None of it felt like the real great heartfelt storytelling that I loved growing up. And then Xenoblade Chronicles happened. And to this day, I mean, it's been almost, uh, it's been almost seven, eight-ish years since I got this game. I, I was part of the uh, Operation Rainfall movement where I, I emailed and called Nintendo like every day for a, a number of months asking them, hey, when are you going to bring Xenoblade Chronicles? And they'd be like, dude, stop calling. Like, I'm not going to stop calling. You fetching, bring this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very active in trying to get this game localized. I was a big part of like uh, at least the movement to get th these particular three games, the last story, Xenoblade Chronicles and Pandora's Tower localized in the United States. Yeah. And uh, the reason I was so passionate about doing it, the reason I took that much time and effort to try and get this game was because of how I felt about the genre at that point in time. I felt like Xenoblade and the last story in particular were these beacons of light for the kind of JRPG I was missing so much that we hadn't seen in a long time, at least to my knowledge. So the art in particular is so unique to Xenoblade. You could see a piece of art and know the second you saw it, that's Xenoblade Chronicles. It's still, of course, obviously like anime inspired, but there's just something about the level of detail in this art. And, and to this day, I still have, I don't even know, probably like 10 images from the art book that came with the game when we finally got it. The art book is amazing, by the way. But there's like 10 images from that art book that I still use that cycle on my uh, desktop background. Because the art is just freaking phenomenal in Xenoblade Chronicles. It is one of the things that give it its lifeblood, its part of its identity, was this incredible art 
the vistas and and the color and just the vibrancy and the characters were so amazing that even on the Wii, one of the most limited consoles for its time that we've ever seen, <laughs> as ugly and low resolution as those textures were, the art design shined through and the game was still beautiful despite its limitations on that particular hardware. It was a game that came at the right time and place and had a very special place in my heart because it hearkened back to what I love about JRPGs to begin with. Hmm. Uh, fast forward to, by the time we get to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, they're no longer using the artist of the original. They've brought in a new artist who, I'm sure a lot of you are aware, got to start as like a hentai guy. Right. Oh, great. I did not know that, but that makes so much freaking sense. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, the, and the shift of the art mm. into this pandering to otaku weeb types. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying it's as intense as like sort of the mainstream moe. It's not quite all the way there. But it is stepping that direction. Which to me was a, a philosophical problem because Xenoblade 1 was the departure from that to bring back what I loved about it. So to me, and, and I'm, I'm saying this is maybe just to me because this was my experience and why I loved the thing to begin with. This push to make the characters smooth out all the detail and make them look more like this kind of like what's popular now in anime is literally in yeah. direct contrast is blasphemous. It's what made the thing unique from all that stuff. And I just, I, I am so upset that they feel like they need to do this to sell this amazing game to you know the people who are into xenoblade now because they've they've recently played xenoblade 2 or they're new to the series or whatever it's just so sad to me that they've done this to the characters i don't like it at all and, and what what really upsets me about it is that in a lot of other ways this definitive edition is going to be so good because they're adding areas that were cut before like um the bionic shoulder and other areas that uh that they had to remove from the original. So it's like, yeah, I would love to play new areas of Xenoblade. I, I would be so stoked about that. Um, and part of me is like, you know, the game is still going to be the same game. It's, I, I can't say like, I'm not going to recommend it to somebody, but it's just this particular issue is, is more than just about, Oh, the character looks different now. It, it's, it's, I feel like an admission from the creators that like they feel like this art style won't be as marketable to their audience, current audience, as this more generic anime look. That to me is just a lot less detailed, a lot less like finely crafted. It's just, it's not as good. This art is not as good as this art. This is superior art to this one. Why do they feel like a definitive edition needs to be changed like that? It it really bugs me. I, I was excited to hear about this, and then I saw that, and it just represented to me like a deeper issue 
in terms of like the direction JRPGs and anime are going in and have been on a trend for recently that I just don't like. It's 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 a it's a it's a place I feel like I can't follow. Like if this is what if this is what they want to do, if this is what they feel sells now, and then I'm no longer their audience. <laughs> I'm not in it anymore. I'm I'm not going to be a fan of Xenoblade if this is what they think Xenoblade needs to be to sell. And and you know, I'm I'm on that same threshold with Final Fantasy. Like Final Fantasy has not been what I have, you know, wanted from it for a long time. I've held in there because I just you never want to give up hope of something as great as those old Final Fantasies we loved back in the day, like being made again. But I feel like I'm falling out. And and I, I think this is just true for a lot of markets. Like people kind of grow up or whatever, they get older and they kind of, so they kind of fall out of the target market. I feel like I'm I'm on the precipice of falling out of the market for JRPGs. Um and and that is primarily the reason why. So to see this being done to one of my favorite games ever to me just it made me really sad. I mm. I don't want to get it almost because of it. I I'd rather just fire up the older version the and play that one instead. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, you have thoughts on this? Well, <laughs> no, just luckily the older version will always be there, you know? It's always around and no matter what they do to it <laughs> to make it worse the only problem is there is no xenoblade chronicles 2 in the older style you know as the new games get made it does it leaves you behind um but and i know it's not just about the art style as you very eloquently put it by the way um yeah. but it is nice to know that the things that you know the, the original is always going to be there um, it, it it feels like the art is symbolic, or that it represents the changes that I have a yeah, problem. It represents with a too. greater, yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. That so when I see that art, it's not like that. Th- this art is like objectively bad. I think it is objectively cheaper. Like it's, yeah, it, it was. It's it is more. Cheaper. It's more yeah. quickly made. Yeah, it's not and as it saves the rich. For more money, absolutely. But it, what it represents to me is, it, like, I see that art and I see the style of storytelling, the style of pandering to a very niche particular set of people that I don't happen to fall into. And a lot, like, a lot of fan service that I just don't yes. want. Yeah. And so, like, I see that art and that's the association I make with it. So to see a game that stood as a pillar of being a departure from that Mm. being represented now with an art style that to me is associated with that thing. And within it's this very series within this series in Xenoblade Chronicles two, I I knew the second I freaking saw the trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles two, I know what they're doing with this because I saw the art and I was right. And (laughs) Percival, uh, Percival Dulac says, imagine if they tried that with vagrant story. It's because oh, so I look at I look at certain things in the past, especially PS1, PS2 era, and it's like if they were to make that stuff again now, like remake it, yeah, we might be looking at this kind of a remake. I mean, even when they remade um Secret of Mana, that's the way they chose to do it. Everything's all bubbly and roundy and like everything just looks like less good than it did because everything's gotta be all polished and smooth and perfect looking now. And that's probably what they would do if they remade Vegan's story now. 
Um, okay, so Vishalak is saying, I feel the whole rant is just super misguided and misinformed. So feel free to share with why, but I'm going to address yes, it. Vishalak has made several comments here. I could read some of them. He, so he's saying Xenoblade but... Definitive Edition doesn't really cater to that much. So I'm, I, you, you're, I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm yeah. not saying the game, because the game is going to be mostly the same as it was, right? I'm not saying the game is going to have all of these elements in it. That's not at all my problem with it. I think the game, as a game, you take the visuals off of it and you just look at it as a game. The game is going to be the same great, amazing game that it was with added stuff. Awesome. I love everything about that side of it. It's the art style that I have an association with a departure into a certain type of thing, which is very, I mean, unmistakably taking over anime and JRPGs. This pandering to this otaku culture that is just rife in the genre now that I don't like. I personally don't like it. I think it's, I think it's bad storytelling. Mm. The fact that, that that art is associated with so many of those types of projects and that this... I'm not saying that the artwork or the new character designs are 100% moe. But it's leaning in that direction in the same way that Xenoblade 2 leaned in that direction. And the fact that Xenoblade 2 has all of that pandering stuff that I don't like in it and that it's associated directly with the change in art style. I'm not saying you can't have that art style, but then not have those things. I'm not saying it's possible. You know, in, you impossible. Know kind of funny. I'm saying that it's not the case. It's just, there doesn't exist an example that where that is true. <laughs> so... um you got Final Fantasy 15, right? It's its own game. It's got its own style. It looks like pretty cool. You know, it doesn't really go the way that this stuff seems to be headed. Um, but then they made the mobile version of Final Fantasy 15, right? Uh, uh, phone edition. And same thing with like World of Final Fantasy and stuff. I don't care if people do additional things like that. Like that's fun. And it's just like a new little interpretation of these characters. And it's like different and fun and weird. And everyone looks like a kid, but the original is still the original, right? So it's like, you still have like the actual game that's done that way. It's just, there's these other representations that are done in a little bit different way, a cheaper way, obviously to save money. Right. Uh, but as long as the whole, I think this is your greater point. As long as the whole industry doesn't appear to be going that way, obviously then it's not as big of a deal. Right. Yeah. But um, if all of a sudden the next five, I 16 was just these little chibi dudes, you'd be like, what the heck, you know, what yeah. are they doing here? But yeah. um, Visha Lock did mention one thing. Cause you, we talk about fan service a lot. We talk about, you know, a lot of the um, stuff that kind of panders towards more of the otaku, some of the more, I don't know, hentai. Hentai in Japanese means that it means, what's, what would the word be? Like, you like something that's weird, right? So hen means strange, and tai mm. means to like something, right? So hentai, you, you're you into weird stuff. <laughs> that's what it means, <laughs> right? And so, so, but that kind of thing, though, that just, just, just weird things. Anyways, I can't remember where I was going with that, but those kinds of things get snuck into these games all the time. But Vishalak did bring up that Xeno gears had a lot of fan service, these kind of stuff in it as well. And that some of the games in the PS one era did actually include that stuff. It just wasn't as in your face 
places it is now because you were dealing with pixel sprites. You weren't dealing with, it wasn't so obvious as it is now, but it was technically there. So I don't know. There's just that. Yeah. That he brought up. I can, I can sympathize with him a little. Yeah. I mean, he's saying here that the majority of games back then had that they just weren't localized in mass. So like, I mean, that's, that's fine. I'm just saying that we're not getting the types of games in quite the same frequency that were being localized, if, if that's true, if what you're saying is true, Visalok, that these sort of like otaku pandering type of projects were, they existed like crazy in Japan back in the 90s, whatever. I'm saying that right. the studios I respected like Square and, uh, and even like, you know, um, Takahashi, who made Xenogears, right? He's he's the one leading the Xenoblade projects. These people were oh, making okay. a specific type of game yeah. back in those days, and now they're making a very different type of game that is moving in line with this change in direction. We're not getting the stuff that I used to like as much, and the people that are the companies and the people that I, I respected back then for making this type of thing, they're now leaning this way. They're now moving with the industry. Um, War64 says, what about Lost Odyssey, Mike? I feel it was one of my favorite. Yeah, that, that's one of the, the beacons, too. I didn't have a, um, a Xbox 360 at the time, so I wasn't able to play that one. Um, but like I said at the beginning, I'm not saying that there was literally nothing. I'm saying that it felt barren. There just were very, very few, very far in between of these types of games being made, I felt, anymore. Um... Uh, sorry, there's been so many comments now. I I, I, I will we, I will not be able to hit them all. Move on a little bit. Um, yeah, we are we, we've been going so long. In, in fact, we might want to move our actual topic to yeah next week <laughs> because this has gone this has gone so long. But this yeah. is a good this is a good discussion here. So I watched a video about um oh what was it called ah dang it, it was it was talking about Xenoblade Chronicles two and how they kind of over overdid the um the sexual exploitation kind of stuff and just the way the characters look and i know that other other games in the past have done this too it's not such a big deal it's i think i think that the reason xenoblade chronicles 2 rubs me the wrong way is because these characters do look like 12 year olds they yeah. look too young to to be like to be to be like that, to be dressing like that, to be acting like this. Like they, they seem to me to be way too young and like it, 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 I guess in the original Xenoblade Chronicles artwork, they, they just seemed a little older. It's more palatable, but when you've got these like super young kids and they're like, I don't know, it just, it, it gets this, this image in my mind. That's like, I don't want, I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't either. Anyway. And I just, I feel it's too bad because like, you know, and, and this is something we've talked about a lot about, you know, taking something beloved and bringing it to a new generation or whatever. Uh, I, I feel like all they needed to do was uh, upgrade or, or upscale the, the textures on Xenoblade. There's a bunch of people who have, have Xenoblade Chronicles running in their like dolphin emulator at like 4K. Yeah, like, I've actually seen stuff like that but here's the problem if you go back to that first image that you showed with the dragonfly right uh, yeah let me uh so pull it up here they, they've done two things here like they've updated all the characters and everything looks all smooth and stuff but they also added actual like the grass is actual grass it's not just a flat texture laid on the ground 
right? I you kind yeah. of want both, right? You want yeah. to have those old school, the old school look just with updated textures, but you also want the real grass to kind of show up as as yeah. individual blades. And that's yeah, what they are doing right in, in the new remake. Um, mm-hmm. And so you kind of want both. And so it's not enough just to upgrade the original. Um, it's almost like you need to, I don't know, maybe somebody will mod this, this uh, definitive edition to make the characters look a little bit more. It, it really is so stark to me though. He looks like a 20 something year old guy in the bottom and he looks like he's effing 10 years old in top. The young, <laughs> like, and I mean, it literally it looks like a 10 year old boy versus a 20 something year old yeah. guy, which is what he's supposed to be. I think it may be 18, but I don't, you get the point. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, there was something that, uh, I think that Lego dog said here that I wanted to touch on said monolith hasn't had an actual art designer since Xenosaga. And I think they just signed a new one on. So this is their work. Maybe we don't know yet, but I bet it would be, that is a good point. They, the, the art director or the guy who created the concepts on Xenoblade was not like a core member of the team. Right. So they didn't have a guy in Monolith doing this. They they contracted another person to do it. But hire that guy to be, maybe he doesn't want to be. A lot of these Japanese developers, they get to a point where they just want to be freelance. Um, And I I understand why for sure, reading their their stories, some of the horror stories from the development of these games. But um, all I know is that I feel like the new art fundamentally changes the the feeling that the character gives off. Um, it's going to be weird to see this 10 year old looking Shulk speaking with the voice of Shulk. It's going to feel weird. It's not going to, it's not going to feel right at all. Um, so will I get this? I don't know. I have to think about it more, but I, I just really wish they hadn't done that. I really wish they hadn't changed the art because the art was so the, no one can deny that the, the original Xenoblade artwork was not some of the most beautiful art, ever produced it was really good. a jrpg just, just the like start screen just like the the main it's, menu with the sword and the grass and the clouds and stuff it's amazing uh, uh chrissy yes they are keeping the original voice cast so the the um the the trailer that they showed for it had the original voices in it so they haven't changed that which i i mean it's so weird to me that they did that too right because when they originally um uh localized xenoblade it was only going to go to europe so the english version was oh, european right. and, and british voice actors that's right which is cool i think <laughs> it was awesome and and they had tons of chemistry together they were great uh the voice acting is very good in xenoblade and the, but when they did the follow-up xenoblade chronicles x um in particular it was like oh now we're going to pull into our uh american sort of like anime voice actor pool <laughs> and you, you get some of those people who are recognizable in other things yeah. i don't think the the voice acting was bad in xenoblade chronicles x by any means but i'm just saying it was it's kind of surprising not kind of surprising because it just it requires no work this way which is better but if they're gonna start changing things i guess like i wouldn't have been surprised if they had tried to replace the voice cats with american voice actors i'm so yeah. glad they did not do that well but that would have just cost more money they clearly weren't looking to spend a lot of money with this remake yeah so 
Well, they shouldn't. I mean, all you gotta do is right. literally bring it into HD, same game. That's all you need yeah. to do. And and, and add in actors. You don't need to do any of that. Add in uh, a new area, something like that. So it's like, oh, there's new content, and uh, bam, it's in HD. That's all they needed to do. I just, I really don't. Anyways, we've talked yeah. about this a super long time. It's so time to move on. All right. So appreciate it. Uh, executive decision here. We are going to move our um, main topic to next week because we've been talking for a very long time. So I just want to quickly talk about um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Uh, This is the Netflix original um, based on the 1984 film by Jim Henson. If you guys have not seen the Dark Crystal, the original movie, uh, this is a movie I grew up with. I, I really, really loved it. It's it's a beautiful film, that, especially from, like, if, if you're at all into the artistry of puppeteering, right? Um, I was watching, I think it was the, a behind-the-scenes thing on, uh, on this Age of Resistance uh, show, where and I haven't really, like, looked into this to verify how true it is, but I, th- I thought that they were claiming that puppetry is an older like storytelling uh like it like in terms of like uh back to like cavemen and like really really long time ago they were doing like puppeteering and stuff like a super long time ago before like a lot of other um forms of like even just like uh, uh, like normal acting like people getting up and like playing parts themselves that puppetry like i guess there might be some evidence that that like predates that, right? So there's kind of like a lost art, especially when you consider how heavily puppetry was used in 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 films and in Hollywood in the in the eighties, uh, with like movies, even like Star Wars and 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 things like that. Like puppetry was like. There was like a whole industry for that <laughs> in like the bigger budget movies. And that sort of completely died with the emergence of CGI, um, where CGI is used for everything. And so mm-hmm. as they were talking about it, there was a really interesting sort of like, uh, I guess I was just kind of hit with this. I feel like these people who are part of the Jim Henson, Jim Henson company, who have sort of lamented this lost art of puppetry and filmmaking that that was kind of like at the heart and soul and identity and spirit of what the original work was, right? They created this beautiful fantasy world and they, they, the way that they moved the puppets, the way that they like shot this was different from say something like the Muppets, right? It was different from the comedy that they typically did. Um, they tried to like, really like create a performance and, and, and make you forget you're looking at a puppet. You, you get invested in a character and like the way that they would actually like move the puppets and, and the animatronics they built into the faces were all part of this illusion to try to like get you to look past the fact that you're looking at a puppet, you're looking at a character, right? So as I've been watching the, the age of resistance, Netflix, uh, uh, series, there is certainly an element of it. I think Chrissy's brought this up in the comments where, you know, filmmaking back in those days was much slower paced. Like mm-hmm. they really took their time. They really like let you kind of like ease into these stories, 
you think of a Star Wars movie like the original 1977 versus, say, the latest Star Wars movie to come out, you count the number of action sequences. Yeah. You count the, the amount of time spent in, like, dialogue and conversation between characters in one single location. It's um, massively different. The yeah. the It's triple both ways. <laughs> yeah. Triple the, the amount the, of action scenes now and triple the length of dialogue then. Yeah, it's 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 way different. So there's there's definitely a higher sense of there's a much faster pace to the way that this dark crystal show is made. It's made for mm. a modern audience. So sure. in that way it 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 doesn't quite feel exactly like the original, but in mm. just about every other way, I feel like they're pretty much nailing it. Like you remember when uh Phantom Menace came out and you see um you see Yoda for the first time, and it's like, that's not fetching Yoda. Who is that? <laughs> that <laughs> character doesn't look like Yoda at all. Like, the face is totally wrong. It doesn't look anything like the puppet from the 80s. Hmm. Um, the puppets of characters in this from the original, they're spot on, dude. Mother yeah. Agra looks exactly like Mother Agra from the original. Okay. Uh, a lot of these Skeksis dudes look, like, literally identical. They look the same exact way that they did in the original movie. Like it's freaking crazy how perfectly they've reconstructed some of these characters. They don't look wrong at all. They look exactly right. So like they've done a really good job in basically every other way of kind of recapturing the feel of the dark crystal. Now, a big part of the original movie was, it was, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic necessarily, but kind of, yeah, it's you know, all, that feel. all the Gelfling have died out. The world is pretty yeah. much like dying. And, you know, the Skeksis have, have basically used the crystal up to the point where, like, the life is just perishing from the world. So it had this sort of, like, mystical, mysterious, empty feel to it. Like a world that used to feel lived in or had this great history there that you're not really, like, they don't really cue you into a lot of that. It's kind of, like, left up, made vague to make it feel like, oh, this, this world has a rich history, but we're not really going to get into that, right? So this sure. story is meant to sort of like fill in some of those details. And I think for the most part, it feels really good. And I think the key to it, because we've talked about in the past with um, Star Wars, right? Like the way that they talk about Anakin and Obi-Wan's yeah. relationship in the original 1977 Star Wars. And then what you actually get in Phantom Menace don't feel <laughs> like they're the same thing. <laughs> not quite, not quite. They Maybe didn't give... Uh, yeah, go the ahead. Clone Wars and... Yeah. All that stuff, yeah. So they, uh, we had, uh, what is it, Percival Dular? Percival Dulac? Percival He says, says like Dark Souls, but with Muppets. That's exactly (laughs) right. Like Dark Souls is a very bleak, um, there's not a lot of people around anymore, but there's all this rich history there that you can kind of like discover by reading uh, descriptions on weapons and things like that. It's kind of like that, the original Dark Crystal movie. It's kind of like that. It gives you that same feel. But this is feeling in details. Now, the difference is, is that in Star Wars, while they, while they gave sort of vague references to what happened back in the past with the Clone Wars and with mm-hmm. Anakin and Darth Vader and all this stuff, it's still they still said enough, I feel, to where you could create an idea of what that time might have been like in your mind. Sure. And so then when he goes back and he shows you something pretty different <laughs> at least for me from what i got the sense of by watching the original movies it's like oh this is not really what i expected there's a little bit of a disengaging that happens there no in problem. the dark crystal 
they don't tell you like anything. <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> actually. Yeah, they don't fill in any details. So I feel like um, they can get away with filling in those details without sort of the danger of um, encroaching on maybe uh, the the idea of what people had in their minds of of what was what the original world was like. And so to me, I have felt like uh, it is. It's it comes as close as I think you can in the modern age to to carrying the spirit over, despite some of the changes in how films are made now, uh, with the faster pace. But the characters feel right, the world feels right, and it it, it does give me that tinge of, um, I guess, uh, it feels like the original in that way. Um, so I think it's pretty good. I think it's worth watching. And if you haven't seen the original movie, definitely watch it. Um, one of the, one of the, one of the movies growing up that, that made me super passionate about fantasy. Um, and it's just a beautifully shot and beautifully made film. And this is, this captures that like from a, from a cinematography perspective, from like a visual perspective, it, it, it's very beautiful the way that it's the way that it's shot the all the detail that went into the costumes and the and the puppets and the sets um they do mix in some cgi for certain things and and you can kind of see that but for the most part they do a really good job of blending the puppets with the cgi so you can't tell um it's just a well-made it's a well-made show overall i i recommend it so if any of you guys have been curious about that uh it's a recommend for me go watch it all right let's finish this off with uh, some community stories. We've had some people send in some things here. So, uh, this one comes from uh, Supreme Katakuri. Supreme Katakuri on Discord. We put it on screen here. He wrote an article here about the, uh, the trope, the Yggdrasil, uh, something you see a lot in JRPGs as a kind of an in-depth breakdown on, on the way that this is used in different games. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put this link in the chat as well as in the description on YouTube when it goes up. Um, okay. I've got some, I got some, uh, comments here. I should have looked at these too. Um, warrior six, two, four says, I think it was IGN's review that had one of the knocks of the show being that it's better than the movie. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, but that's funny. Uh, and we have Chrissy saying, watch the movie first before seeing the show. Uh, she says the show will make more sense and you'll appreciate it more. I think I, I would recommend that too. I would recommend watching the, the original movie before watching the show, even though it's a prequel to the movie. Yeah. Um, she also says, I'm still wondering if Gurgen is Ryan from Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh yeah. So the voice actor who does Gurgen, we should look into that, whether he played Ryan from Xenoblade Chronicles, he does sound similar. Okay. So anyways, um, anyways, this article, uh, go check it out. Uh, a, a nice, pretty thorough breakdown of the way that like, you know, secret of mana, uh, it looks like a dragon quest here. Ocarina of the time. heart of, yeah. Ocarina of time with the, the Deku tree, yeah. um, final fantasy 10. He kind of breaks down the way that the, the, the trope of Yggdrasil is used in video games. Um, so go and check that out. Go read it and let him let him know what you think. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, the second community story today comes from Caius. Um, he's creating a post-apocalyptic first-person shooter called the Orpheus Project. 
Um, I will give you guys the link to Twitter, his Twitter, in the chat. And, of course, uh, it will be in the description as well. So there's that. And then we also have um, a link to his Patreon if you would like to check that out as well. The video I'm about to show on the screen uh, comes from his Patreon page. So I'm going to let that play for just a minute. I'm going to be quiet. And uh, you guys can see what you think of this. Hello and welcome to my Patreon. Uh, my name is Caius. I am the head honcho of Studio Syndicate, an independent game developer, and the creator of the Orpheus Project. The Orpheus Project is a first-person shooter that seeks to combine the fast-paced element of classics like Doom and Quake with a bigger focus on a branching storyline and characterization. I've been studying game design and working independently for about five years now, and the Orpheus Project is set to be my first major release. The game's goal is to take elements of classic shooters and rich RPG storytelling and customization and condense it down into a tightly constructed game that focuses more on density and quality over just length and quantity. Instead of something in a bloated 30 to 60 hour length, you would get something in the 5 to 10 hour length with a much tighter design. Currently I am planning to launch a crowdfunding campaign later down the line alongside the release of a public demo that I'm working on right now. But in the meantime, there are life responsibilities that take me away from development, so contributions through Patreon can allow me to focus on the development of the Orpheus Project. Your support on Patreon will grant you first look at upcoming updates and content, early access for the release of the demo builds, access to any developer live streams, and access to the Discord server where you'll see all content first, as well as get the opportunity to interact and give feedback directly to the team, which right now is just me. Another reason why your help would mean the world. One way or the other, you can follow the development of the project at Studio Syndicate on Twitter. If this sounds like your thing, please consider donating. It would mean the world to me, and any little bit does help. Regardless, one way or another, thank you so much for checking the page and this video out. And please, share it around with anyone who you think might be interested. It would mean a lot. Catch you later. Alright. So, if you are interested in that type of FPS game... Check him out on Twitter. Follow the development. And uh, hopefully he can uh, get the game finished up and uh, released. Seems like it's a pretty interesting project. So, okay. That's going to be it for this week. Uh, next week we'll do our topic about voice acting, and I'll let you guys know about all the people blocking me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> I expect, based on what I said today, there'll be some people blocking me on Twitter as well. So, <laughs> yeah, me too. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're we're the old guard of JRPG fans. Sorry no, that we're not in. Gen, we're not in. Gen oneers. We're the, we're we're, the gen that, That's the theme. We're Gen oneers. <laughs> that's dude. what we are. <laughs> we are effing Gen oneers. Is what we're trying to say. That's what this podcast what we're is to about. Say. Uh, so if you're not a Gen 1-er, you're probably not going to like what we have to say <laughs> anymore. <laughs> have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll see you again next week. We have some great projects coming out. Uh, i am got a video I've been talking about with Pat Holloman. We've recorded all the audio for it. I'm going to be working on that this week, so it's coming soon. Kaysen's uh, getting closer on his next project he was telling me about. Yeah. Yep. So uh, good stuff coming up. So we're going to do retrospective, all that. Look forward to it. Peace out, everyone. See you later.